Well, hello, it's me again, Shad. It's another Saturday, which means a new episode of the Extra Talk podcast. Today's episode is full of hope and futuristic technologies that is giving humans hope once again. Today, we are diving in the wonderland of our bodies, the brain. So, if you've been listening to this podcast a while ago, you know that we tackled before how can a human being live a normal life with half a brain. And in that episode, we mentioned that a small mistake during the process can cause a huge damage and get the patient paralyzed. Other things can do the same thing or have the same effect in real life, like a brainstem stroke. And its risk factors are high blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease, atrial fibrillation, and smoking. I mean, pretty much the usual things. Similarly, brainstem strokes can be caused by clot or hemorrhage, and hemorrhage is an acute loss of blood from a damaged blood vessel. Now, to understand what we are about to discuss in today's episode, which is absolutely not the brainstem stroke, I want you to take a moment for me and really imagine the following situation. It's a new morning, you woke up feeling pretty normal, except for like at some point, you're feeling kinda sick, it gets a little bit worse, but nothing really serious about it. Time passes by and you start feeling kinda dizzy, really dizzy, and so you're going upstairs to your room to get some rest, but all of a sudden, you passed out. Next thing you realize, you're in the hospital. In nearly 12 hours following your family's emergency call, doctors discovered that you had suffered a catastrophic brainstem stroke. The stroke disconnected your brain from the descending motor tracks of your brainstem, and that's the neural pathways carrying instructions to your muscles, leaving you, in this case, locked in. So not only quadriplegic, but also unable to speak. In this case, you are paralyzed. So, if you really imagine the situation and how your life went upside down in a glimpse of, of an eye, then you probably felt what Mrs. Kathy Hutchinson went through and experienced before getting the locked-in syndrome. Her last memories were of feeling sick, of passing out as her son, Brian, helped her upstairs to her bedroom, of waking briefly on the rough carpet of the hallway unable to move. She was 43, a healthy woman, non-smoker, single mother of two, and a post office employee. Basically a healthy lady and a normal human being. And this tells you that it can literally happen to anybody on earth, including you and me. I mean, if I personally think about it, it seems to be a super terrifying experience. Living pretty much a normal life, in a healthy body, no red flags and the next thing you realize, you're paralyzed and locked in for the rest of your life. But here's the thing, science exists and nothing should be terrifying anymore, not even getting paralyzed. Why and how, that's what I'm about to tell you concerning the rising technology that is giving paralyzed people hope, like in Mrs. Catherine's case, and that technology is the brain-computer interface, or in short, the BCI technology. Ladies and gentlemen, let's bring it up. Such feat began with a revolutionary idea in 1968. Carl Frank, the founder of the Laboratory for Neural Control at the National Institutes of Health, predicted a future where brain activity could connect to the external world. Frank posited that by recording brain activity, we could one day use the patterns of that activity to help people with paralysis interact with their environments. However, Frank's vision took decades as researchers developed a better understanding of brain physiology in more powerful computers. So now the thing is that to make this vision real, Frank's vision real, we need kind of a device that converts brain activity from algorithm to action. 
and that what can give those who are unable to speak or use their limbs independence once again. And that's basically the concept of the brain uh, computer interface technology, pretty simple as a concept, yet it took researchers decades. And it's not as simple as that, especially if you realize that to record the brain cells and decode them, we need to understand the language of our nervous system. And so on the practical side of that, it takes about like two to two and a half hours of listening to one neuron as an animal moves his hand in various directions to try to figure out what the neuron does. And so one neuron at a time is a laborious, slow, far from exponential way to learn about the nervous system because we have dozens of cells. That's when they realized, I mean, scientists and researchers realized that they were in need of a technology that allows them to record dozens of cells simultaneously. Here, ladies and gentlemen, when Richard Norman of the University of Utah created an array back in the early 1990s to help solve this huge problem and dilemma. And basically, an array is a tiny device known as a multi-electroid array. It has rows of electrodes and can be implanted into the brain to listen to dozens or more individual brain cells at a single point in time. And God, that was the technological breakthrough needed to develop brain-machine interfaces. God bless your heart, Rich. Rest in peace, buddy. So yeah, anyway, now that we are able to record and listen to these neurons, we are or we can realize what the neuron is trying to do. And all that computational neuroscience helps take in an assemble of neurons. So we can take the varying action potentials and all the patterns and begin to decode them for more complicated and complex control of external device. Now let's get practical. In 22, the neuroscientist John Donegg's lab demonstrated that the brain-machine interface allowed monkeys to control a computer cursor in real time through their brain activity alone. And that is after implanting the Otai electrode array into these monkeys as a proof of concept. Also, he funded the company Cyberkinetics to shepherd the technology through regulatory approvals and into humans. In 28, the, research, the researchers developed and led by Andrew Swartz of the University of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania first trained two monkeys to use a joystick to manipulate the arm. Then the monkeys' own arms were restrained by placing them in tubes and the robotic arm was switched over to bring, to bring control. The arm is controlled by a network of tiny electrode called, you know, brain-machine interface implanted into the motor cortex of the monkey's brain. And that region is responsible of controlling movement. It picks up the signals of brain cells as they generate commands to move and converts those into directional signals for the robotic arm. At this point, this device sparkles a hope that one day it can help paralyzed people to operate prosthetic limbs that might enable them to eat, drink, or use their utensils for themselves. And we could finally get to see that in 2012, when Mrs. Kathy, that we already spoke about her story in the very beginning, who has been enabled to move her own arms or legs for 15 years. 
But using the most advanced brain-machine interface back in the time ever developed, she can steer a robotic arm towards a bottle, pick it up, and drink her morning coffee. The interface includes a sensor implanted in Kathy's brain, which reads her thoughts and decoder, which turns her thoughts into instructions for the robotic arm. The man behind this huge and big moment for Mrs. Catherine was Mr. Lee Huberg and his team for sure. And Mr. Lee is a professor of engineering from Brown University and senior lecturer on neurology sorry, from Harvard Medical School. And you can find a link in the description box to his video for a better and deep understanding of the brain-computer technology if you're listening to this podcast via YouTube. Obviously, this technology is still early for sure. The results were spectacular and unprecedented, but not quite perfect and accurate. Definitely a great process is made, and Dr. Lee himself mentioned that it is about time to start developing fully implanted technology. Personally, I believe that for the next decades, paralyzed people won't have a problem living a normal life and doing their daily routines without the need to anybody else because of the BCI. It is for sure a big thing for humanity that probably seemed to be impossible back in the early time. But every great achievement in this world started with a great idea that seemed impossible to the desperate. So what about you? What do you think? Is the lockdown syndrome going to disappear soon or it still needs so much time and effort so that the BCI machines can be available in the market? If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted. Rate and review this podcast and don't forget to share it with your friends. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode.